Hello friends, welcome back to A Stillness, and welcome back to a sustainability for the average citizen kind of episode. For those of you who don't know, I'm currently finishing up my degree in business and sustainability, and I find the intersection of people's actually nitty-gritty day-to-day lives and sustainability tactics, tools, hopes, changes that need to happen at a societal level in order for us to be a sustainable society, really, really fascinating. So the one that we're going to talk about today is travel. Travel as an aesthetic, as a lifestyle, as a really empowered choice to spend money on experiences as opposed to stuff, has exploded in like the last decade. There are content creators who make their entire livelihood off of their love of travel. And I do see in general this as a positive thing. Again, it means we're moving away from the capitalistic structures that tell us that accumulating more stuff is like the ultimate for success and focusing instead on travel experiences, exploring, um, opening up your mind, heart, even your belly to foods and peoples and places that you wouldn't have otherwise, I think is a really empowered, good, healthy choice for humans to make. And all of that is true. And we know that flying in particular, as well as other modes of travel are really really awful for the environment, as far as the emissions, as far as the amount of energy used, again, especially for things like airplane travel. And so from my perspective, I wanted to share ways that you can travel that have a much lighter footprint and that have a much more intersectional approach to travel, kind of getting past a little bit of the travel as a form of aesthetic, as a form of like a lifestyle filter, and a little bit more into for your own personal growth, as well as for benefiting the areas that you are leaving your footprint in. Now I have to start by saying that I live in the central United States, in the central Illinois, in the central United States. I'm like almost slightly middle, ever so slightly east of direct center of the U.S. And here in the U.S., as well as in this region, the Midwest in general, our public transit and public transportation options and infrastructure is really lacking to like a dystopian degree. It really, really blows my mind that more people aren't aware of just how lacking our public transit infrastructure is. I feel like it's something us hippies (laughs) complain about, um, but not something that somebody who hasn't traveled to Europe or who has only ever lived in Chicago um, just doesn't quite realize that we are so car dependent Our only infrastructure is roads. Um, It's like a really big deal that the town that I live in is getting a train station. I think in like five, four or five years, they're extending a train line from a nearby city to us that would eventually connect us to Chicago, which is about a three and a half hour drive. 
Um, it will be even longer, most likely by train, as in even the train systems that we do have where they are in place, the train is not efficient. It takes a really long time. It is really affordable, um, but you pay with your time in a lot of ways. Same thing with any local bus systems, both in my hometown and in surrounding kind of these smaller Midwest cities. We might have a little bit of something, but it's really lacking. It's really inefficient. Buses are not filled. You really, if you take the bus, it's because you don't have a vehicle, can't afford a vehicle, or for some other reason can't drive. So it unfortunately gets really pigeonholed, the the public transit that we do have, as in it's like for the people who can't do things otherwise. Uh, which can happen in a lot of cities, but again, especially in European cities and in other parts of the world, in some areas in Asia as well, like public transit is actually phenomenal. It's efficient. It's what most people take. It takes up way less space. It doesn't emit as many emissions. So anyway, this, I, this could be a whole other episode. I feel so strongly about public transit and how bad it is here. Um, but I just want to start by saying that I am approaching this, this idea of traveling sustainably, very, very much from this perspective, the perspective where things are very limited, where citizens and citizen level infrastructure is dystopianly lacking. And and yet we still want to like see some of the world. We still want to go places and experience things. Um, so here are some ways that you can travel sustainably, assuming you're coming from a similar background where maybe a train is not always an option. Flying might not even always be an option. And um, the beautiful thing is that a lot of things around travel that make the travel more sustainable also um, make it a little bit more affordable. So like a cherry on top, if you haven't planned a vacation in a while, consider using some of these tools or concepts or ideas to also save a little bit of moolah. Okay, if you have to travel somewhere, like you do have to fly, you're going out of state, you're going really far out of town for... Uh, a family wedding, for example. This is a personal example. Find a way to stay for at least a week. As in, it's not a long weekend. You're actually taking time where you're traveling to. Some people will call this slow travel, which is kind of a spin-off or part of the slow living movement, which also deserves its own episode. But if you're looking for inspiration, I just recommend that you Google slow travel or slow traveling, which is a lot of, you know, if you're taking the time, the emissions, the fuel, the energy to go somewhere decently far away, then like pause there for a little while. Don't rush back home. Um, let yourself enjoy all the effort that it took to get your body and some of your belongings to that location in the first place. When you are traveling, regardless of how far it is, make a point to support several minority or marginalized group owned local businesses or restaurants while you're there. My spouse and I specifically seek out like the Chinatowns of the places that we're traveling to. We first of all, just love really good ethnic food in general. But then especially if we're in a larger city where maybe those restaurants aren't the ones that are like getting all the, 
media attention, aren't getting all of the touristy attention, find the the thing for you. For us, it's food related, but find whatever you're interested. Like if you like to go bowling, if you like to, I have no idea. Do people even bowl anymore? If whatever you like to do, you like to go roller skating, you like to visit a local bookstore, see if you can find one that's representing and or directly supporting a marginalized group from that area. This is what we might refer to as intersectional sustainability, where we realize that part of being sustainable isn't just focusing on the environment, but of focusing on the people who actually make a city thrive, which very, very often are small businesses, which are very, very often woman-owned and or minority-owned. And it's not that hard. Like You're just adding kind of one more filter to your Google search in looking for a restaurant or a store or a boutique or whatever other kind of outing that you might plan on doing anyway. Just make a point to make your visit intersectional in some small way and you're already in that regard really investing in a more sustainable future. I also recommend that regardless of where you travel, again, regardless of how far it is, pick at least one day minimum to spend outside like as much as possible. I like to take this to the extreme in some ways. And this is, of course, like assuming weather permitting that it's nice enough to be outside all day. But can you be outside basically all day? Whether you go to a park, go to go to a outdoor art exhibit or sculpture walk, go to um, a place where you can eat on their balcony or on their patio go find a outdoor concert at a pub or at a park. It's really fun, first of all, because it kind of immerses you in a new ecosystem. This is also, by the way, a really great way to do a staycation. If you've never quite known how to do a vacation in your own hometown, wait till you have like a really nice day and then just Try to stay outside as much as possible and see where that takes you. See where that leads you. First of all, at the end of the day, it feels so good to like get back inside and shower and curl up in bed. And again, if you are somewhere new, you get to experience this different weather, different ecosystem. Something that I personally do on our outdoor day is I make sure that my camera and or phone are full battery because I love to take photos of all the different kinds of plants and or wildlife. So especially plants that we don't have here back at my home, I love to take photos of them. And then I also like to Google lens them and like learn a couple new plants. That's me, that's my nerdy hobby. Maybe you like birds and you just wanna listen to bird song that's different. Maybe you're really into bugs. See if you can make yourself a little bug scavenger hunt. Most states have a Department of Natural Resources which will actually have guides for native and local flora and fauna. And it can be really fun to download one of those or even print one of those if you're old school or if you need multiple copies such as for multiple children and to go on a scavenger hunt. You can burn hours out in a park space just looking for different native mushrooms and bugs and butterflies. Um, I almost always go to a botanical garden. If a city has a botanical garden, that will be part of the outdoor day. 
Also, a lot of botanical gardens have really lovely restaurants that often have a very large outdoor seating area or viewing area. So that can also be a really fun, lovely way to spend some time outside, but that costs money. And you can also get outside without it costing that much money. So again, parks, um, if there's a body of water at the place you're visiting, there will almost always be a trail and or park and or picnic area and or restaurants kind of along that main body of water, at least in a decently developed city or town. So consider doing those kinds of things, but spend one entire day outside. And just just notice, it will slow your vacation down. You'll actually interact with people that live in that city or in that town. And you might even get to learn a little bit more about the ecosystem. You might get a nice tan. Um, it's just good for human health. And also, it's good for sustainability. You're learning about the natural world, which almost always translates into having more conservative and I mean that not in the GOP way, I mean that in the sustainability conservation way, having more conservative-minded um, conclusions or desires when it comes to protecting our natural world and interacting with our natural world. And if you are outside all day, you are most likely walking a lot. That's how you're getting from one place to the next. If you're, especially again, if you're like meandering through a string of parks or along a waterway, then you're not driving. You're not calling an Uber. Um, if you have to take transportation, I'm going to recommend that you take public transit, but that's a note upcoming. But anyway, staying outside as long as you can for an entire day is just so much fun. It's a really beautiful way to vacation. I feel like my days in parks are the days that I tend to remember the most from travel. Okay, then as much as possible, when you can't be outside, or when there is a specific thing you're going to, like your friend's wedding, or like the concert that you were going, whatever brought you to that place in the first place, as much as possible, rely on the local public transit. Public transit can include a lot of things. It can include buses and metro or rail, but it can also include walking paths, bike lanes, renting bikes, renting scooters. And again, some of those options are much more weather dependent and might depend on the time of year that you're traveling as well. But it will, first of all, make your trip so much less expensive if you don't have to rent a vehicle. And it's better for the environment. Another part of this can be looking for a hotel or Airbnb, whatever you use, your Verbo. This is not an ad. However you stay in the places that you stay, try to find a spot that is centrally located, not just to the thing that you are gonna go do, but the things you want to do. So for example, when traveling to a friend, when traveling out of state for a friend's wedding, coming back to a personal example, we chose an Airbnb that was actually decently far away from the wedding venue. However, our location was close to a lot of other things that we wanted to do for the long weekend that we were there. So it can be easy to be like, oh, the wedding's at this hotel, I'll just book a room in this hotel. And that might work for your trip. That's totally fine. 
But if all the other things you want to do, if the parks or the restaurants or the bowling alley, again, whatever is your vibe, whatever you want to do, if that's way far away, then you probably are going to need to call an Uber or get a taxi or take the bus a lot. Versus if you stay somewhere that's closer to all the things that you want to do for that long weekend, then the one event that is going to and from the wedding, that can be the one thing that you Uber for. So just a little shift in perspective. Uh, if you're not in the habit of doing that, decide where you're actually going to spend most of your time and see if you can stay close to that, because then a lot of options become more walkable or more bikeable. Or again, there might be a single bus line or a metro line that kind of gets you up and down the street between where you want to go. And that can be more helpful and actually livable in your vacation than focusing on maybe the one thing that you came there for, the one big thing that you came there for. Another great option is to make sure that you're staying in a hotel room, Oregon, Airbnb, Verbo, whatever is your jam, that has a microwave and or fridge. Bonus points if it has a stovetop or some kind of kitchenette. This will save you so much money because you can actually save and then reheat and enjoy your leftovers from any places that you ate out. Food waste is a growing problem. Um throughout the world, but especially in the U.S. We are just really, we're not so good about not wasting food. Food is completely biodegradable, so there is some argument that food wasted isn't the most awful thing for the environment, but it is pretty bad economically for us. Like Consumers directly pay for any food that they don't end up consuming or they don't end up saving. And then large amounts of food in landfills actually have been attributed to increased methane production. And methane, if you haven't heard of it or if it's like ringing a bell in the back of your head, that's the gas that one, when it's released, it's actually way, way more damaging to our atmosphere than CO2, than carbon emissions. So methane is like, like carbon, like we need to be aware of it. It's being emitted, but also like way worse. So if you can save your food, that's great. And then also it gives you the option to eat locally, as in make your own food. I get that some people go on vacation and like the last freaking thing they want to do is have to cook for themselves. And that's totally fine. I personally really enjoy cooking. And because I also have a lot of dietary um, restrictions and allergies and intolerances, <laughs> I have to be pretty careful. So sometimes just having that option makes things easier for us and, again, cheaper. And then it allows us to buy local produce, which, once again, will support a local business. And we get to kind of eat how people there eat. One of my favorite places that we did this was in New Orleans, where we bought like fresh seafood. Again, we're from the Midwest, so any kind of like really fresh seafood is such a treat. And we had the means to cook it up ourselves. We had the means to reheat all of our delicious leftovers. Any city that's particularly known for its food, I would say, it's worth paying the extra, whatever, $10 a night to get a room that at least has a microwave, a fridge, or some other little kitchenette setup. And then lastly, we gotta talk about souvenirs. I love a souvenir. 
But I also know that purchasing cheaply made crap is not actually how I want to like commemorate a trip. One of the best uh, pieces of advice around thrifting that I was ever given was to think of thrift stores as rental units with a very small pay-per-use fee. Almost all of the souvenirs I have ever gotten from trips came from the local Goodwill. If you want a t-shirt from that city, go to the Goodwill. I have found touristy t-shirts with the tag still on at various Goodwills and thrift stores. You can also often find the little shot glasses or magnets at the local thrift store. And you can also find some other things that might be helpful for your trip. So not specifically souvenirs that you plan on being back, bringing back, but things that you just need for that trip. If you show up on a beachy vacation and you realize you didn't grab a sun hat or you forgot your flip-flops, instead of dashing to Walmart and buying something new that was most likely made with slave labor, go to the thrift store where you can buy it used, even though it was also still mostly made with, <laughs> most likely made with slave labor. At least you're not increasing the demand for the new thing. I've gone to thrift stores on beachy vacations specifically to get things like knee boards or boogie boards, to pick up a slightly broken giant beach umbrella. And again, I don't have to take these things home. I'm not trying to like make an investment and bring these things home on the plane with me. I just need something for the afternoon that we're gonna spend out at the beach, but something that I couldn't bring from home easily. A lot, a lot of those things you can find at the thrift store. If you're going on a skiing vacation, anything like that where the rental prices can be very, very expensive, just check the local thrift store on your way. You might not be able to find like all the pieces, like the boots and the snowboard or the skis and the poles that go with them, but you might be able to find some things that could be really helpful, like really nice wool ski socks, some good mittens, a nice pair of ski goggles, for example. And then you, it's just, it's literally like a rental, except that instead of paying for the rental at the place, which, you know, is also a sustainable option, you're, you're doing it from the thrift store. And then you can return it. I mean, not even return where you get your money back, but you can just re-donate it, I mean, at the end of your trip. And voila, there you go. It costs you 15 bucks to have some really nice winter gear, some nice beach gear. And you're helping the planet by not increasing the demand to buy those things new. And if you can find a locally owned thrift store, that's even better. I'm not against the Goodwill per se, but if you can find like the little old lady that just has her thrift store in the corner, those places are gems. And I bet you'll find some amazing things. I found like beautiful swimsuit cover-ups, some of which have come back home with me in these lovely little coastal towns from these cute little thrift stores. So souvenirs, anything that you might need specifically for that trip, absolutely renting is a great option. It's still a reusing option, but don't be afraid to check out the thrift stores. And again, especially for souvenirs, especially for things that you do wanna bring home, um, you'll often be able to find t-shirts, hoodies of that city, of local sports teams, like, Probably, honestly, whatever your thing is, 
why you went there, you'll be able to find some kind of souvenir in the thrift store that will suit you, that will commemorate the trip for you. Lastly, I recommend that you just get creative with where you expect yourself to vacation. Like I've mentioned a couple cities, a couple bigger ones, Chicago, New Orleans, that I've been to, but a lot of places can be really fun and actually pretty spectacular to visit, even if they don't seem that spectacular or they aren't as well known. One of my favorite vacations that my spouse and I ever took was to, if you can believe it, Cincinnati, Ohio. Neither of us had ever been to Ohio. This was new. Uh, Cincinnati is right down along the uh, border between Ohio and Kentucky. I hadn't been to Kentucky since I was very little. Not like I remembered anything about it, really. And we had so much fun. There was a great museums. There was a cool outdoor shopping center, um, a really, really cool, almost like outdoor farmer's market, flea market, kind of like a place, arts and crafts show place. Um, I think it's called Finley, the Finley market. It's really cool. Something that we don't have here in my small hometown. Um, yeah, really cool aquarium, decent driving. It wasn't that far of a drive for us personally to get to. And then um, it wasn't hard to find an Airbnb with free parking. And there were great restaurants, again, like a really strong kind of uh, spectrum of ethnic food options, which is our personal favorite. And there were a couple really cool parks and um just some unique stores, kind of unique pockets in that city that we found really fascinating. It was just so different from our small town in the Midwest. And we had a great time there. We found a local coffee roaster and we didn't realize it was a coffee roastery instead of like a coffee roastery with a coffee shop. So we just like walked in one day because <laughs> we thought we were going to like get some coffee at this coffee shop. And it was actually just the roaster, but the people were super chill. They ended up like giving us a tour of their facility. And we left with a bag of their like, like literally just freshly roasted beans and they were so good. So you can have an excellent vacation truly anywhere. If you're willing to look for the things that are different or unique or interesting to you, I love like local art galleries. I love sculpture walks, botanical gardens, that kind of thing. So I can go almost anywhere that has anything kind of like that, plus a handful of good ethnic food restaurants. And I will have a great time. If you've only ever vacationed in kind of a like beachside way, or a an all-inclusive resort way or you know ski holidays in winter and then beach bumming holidays in summer which by the way all of which are fabulous and lovely but if that's all you've ever done i encourage you to explore outside of that what would some other vacations for you look like what do you like to do um what interests you 
What's cool for you? And then can you do it in this kind of slow, sustainable way? When we went to New Orleans, which was a very big trip, again, we're from Illinois, we took the train. We are, oh, we could have flown. It would have taken us literally less than half the time to fly, but we chose to take the train because we decided that was more sustainable for the amount of time which we were traveling. And um, we got, we traveled during not peak dates and we got bumped up into um, a room. So it actually made the trip extremely kind of like private, just the two of us, it was very sweet. And um, we went to New Orleans for an entire week and for the entire week, we only had two things scheduled. We didn't schedule something every single day. We scheduled one thing for like our first night there and then one thing for like our second to last night there. And the rest of the time was just us exploring, getting outside learning how to take their public transit system. I've taken public transit a handful of times. My spouse really hasn't as many times. So that was kind of fun. It was part of the adventure for us. And yeah, we had a lovely time. A lot of New Orleans is very walkable, so we could kind of take the bus or take their trolley system kind of into one area and then hang out there for a while, get food there, find music or street shows or just window shop. It was lovely. And um, this is not how necessarily either of us grew up vacationing. But there's something to be said for this very kind of slow not much of an agenda, can play things by ear, can, you know, literally walk down the street and be like, ooh, what smells so good? And then be like, okay, well, that's where we're gonna go. And just walk in. <laughs> Let your belly, your nose, your, um, your senses lead your vacation experience. And yes, we did this in New Orleans, which is, you know, completely famous and well-known and for good reason. But we've also vacationed like this in less exciting places like Cincinnati, which we really loved. Um, so even if it's a long weekend and you're gonna drive three hours away just to go stay at some you know, remote Verbo, do it, do it. We took a vacation out in Indiana where we stayed out in rural Indiana in this like, Airbnb that was this giant old Victorian style home, truly rather in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we brought our bikes and we just biked every afternoon. In the morning, we would like drive into one of the surrounding towns. Again, maybe window shop, pick up some coffee, hit the thrift stores as we do. And yeah, yeah. then we would bike in the afternoon and Indiana honestly isn't that different from Illinois, but it was still a lovely vacation. We didn't have to go far in order to create that atmosphere where we could unplug, reconnect with each other, kind of resettle into a groove where it's just us. And I'm saying this as somebody who, you know, has a spouse and whose spouse works an extremely demanding job. And so vacations really are in some ways a part of our self-care. But 
some of my favorite vacations are also the ones that I've taken by myself. I took myself to Denver to see an old friend for like a couple days, but then I was there for an entire week. So the rest of the time I was completely by myself. And even by myself, I made sure that there was a day that I spent completely outside. And then I loved it so much that I actually spent the entire next day outside also. I specifically picked an Airbnb that was close to the parks and the botanical garden and, um, and a restaurant, actually a specific restaurant. Again, I have some dietary concerns, so finding a gluten-free vegan restaurant is like <laughs> really exciting. <laughs> and um, and I, so I picked an Airbnb that in some ways, I'm sure some people would consider like kind of a weird neighborhood, a little bit out of the way. It's not where like everything is hopping. It's not where all the tourists were staying, but I knew that I wanted to spend an entire day at the Botanical Garden and I knew that I wanted to check out a couple um, thrift shops and resale shops and all of them were walking distance from this Airbnb. And I took public transit to and from the airport. So I, I share this again, not because I've figured it out and how I vacation is some kind of perfect pinnacle of how to vacation. But because in my mind, traveling, in order to make it worth it from a sustainability standpoint, it has to truly be nourishing. Like a vacation that leaves me frazzled, where I was busy, where I was just trying to cram in all the different things that I could possibly do that I could possibly see, and then hustling back home and like sitting next to somebody on the airplane who's like coughing the entire time. Like that is not a vacation to me. That's not restful. That's not, at that point, it's not worth the fuel and the energy and the emissions that I have been a contributor of. So in order for me to vacation in a way that's sustainable, for me, that also means that it feels like a vacation. It means that it's reflecting my values, which is why I'm such a big fan of the slow traveling, the traveling to unplug. Sure, there might be a couple things you want to do, a couple things you want to see, but view it like a giant grazing board, like a giant charcuterie. You might not get to everything, but you have so many options of all these different lovely little flavor flavors and combinations that you can try out. And it's okay if you don't get to everything. That just gives you an excuse to come back again in the future. And in the meantime, you aren't frazzled. You're waking up each day and letting your own desires and how much energy you have or don't have that day dictate how you unplug, how you reconnect, how you rest, how you vacay. And, and doing things that way is more sustainable with a little bit of extra planning and a little bit of lingering and a little bit of intention, whether that is to the woman-owned bookstore or the queer-owned restaurant or the black-owned tour company. Like a little bit of intention really goes a long way. And then you're supporting, like you're actually genuinely supporting that local economy. And that is a major intersection of sustainability. So if you are ready for a vacation like me, <laughs> if it has been cold and wet and windy in the place in which you live and you are dreaming of seasides, same, 
And then like, let's plan a way to do that that actually upholds what the goal of vacation is in the first place. Like if your goal of vacation is to sightsee, knock yourself out, have the time of your life, sightsee, let that be the thing that keeps you present. But if you find that exhausting and quite frankly expensive, then I invite you to explore these other ways. How do you like to flow when you're relaxed? And let that be the pace with which you travel, with which you gather up those experiences. And believe me, the more that you practice that, the more you'll find that you can kind of experience that in a lot of different places. Maybe, maybe even in your hometown. Maybe a weekend staycation doesn't feel quite so crazy when you remove the idea that there have to be these big sights or exciting things to see and go do. And instead, you view every town with this possibility, this openness, this outdoorness that it can maybe provide. All right, I'm stepping off of my soapbox. Thank you for coming along with me. And I wish you an absolutely happy year of travels and experiences. Stick that middle finger up to capitalism. We've got this. And enjoy your world, loves. This podcast is made entirely possible by Patreon Sacred supporters. If you also consider this work sacred and would like to support the efforts of not only this podcast, but all the other artistic projects that I, Abigail Jewell, have going on, please go to patreon.com slash A-B-I-G-A-I-L-J-E-W-E-L-L, Abigail Jewell. And you can also find the Patreon page by searching for A Stillness. Thanks. Thank mm-hmm. you.